That's right, Las Vegas, no longer Oakland. And the Raiders are back, baby! The Gruden Grind is a back, baby! That's, that's what they say, but so far the teams they faced, eh, they're okay. They're alright. You know, no, nothing, nothing really I mean, impressive. I mean, the Panthers are trash. Really? They're okay? Really? Really? Well, well okay. you've got to be respectful to teams. You gotta be okay. kind of nice, you know, because they okay. put in hard work okay. out there, you know, they okay. they put in the okay. effort and whatnot. Okay, buddy. Now, before we continue on, I just want, for those who missed it, I was just on the great GNT, um, GNT Sports Talk, and we recap all game, all game pick, um, game pick highlights for week three, and if you want to find out who I picked between the Patriots and Las Vegas Raiders... You gotta listen to their podcast. Definitely, definitely, definitely will listen as soon as it drops. And uh, I'm, I'm sure you, being a scumbag that you are, you probably picked the Raiders. Actually, no, I did not. You're actually a smart man for once, guys. They say you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but apparently this dumb dog became smart. Way to go for picking the Patriots. The only teaser I said was due to the fact that I love Drew Brees, but and Drew Brees is a Hall of Famer, but there's a big difference between Drew Brees and 43. Have you you've been consistent? He ain't the same guy no more as Cam Newton, who got some to prove. So big difference in gap. Now this was Drew Brees, maybe you know six years ago. Yeah, okay. You got an argument, but Drew Brees right now, to Cam, you got to take Cam. You got to take Cam. Right right now, you got to take Cam. You have to. That's, that's, that's super factual, my friend, you know? I mean, why why wouldn't you? Um, also, I just want to say that Cam Newton did impress me. I mean, the Dolphin game wasn't really impressive because all he did was run the ball. But I was impressed with it. Even though they lost to the Seahawks, I was impressed. I mean, if Nick Folk, if you had an actual kicker, the Patriots would have won that game. But Cam Newton threw on that on that defense. He threw very well. He got in touch with Nikhil Harry. And Julian Edelman just shredded the hell out of Jamal Adams. Um, yeah, like Cam Newton showed me that he, he, still, he still got that arm. I just think that if, if the Patriots added one more big-time receiver, then that team definitely is a, a team that can go to the Super Bowl. And I did drop a name, and you have to to the podcast, that it made Julian Gillardi so upset, and it made Bobby Thompson smile. Once nice. it drops, you got to listen. Absolutely. Um, we Dolph- tease things out in these parts. Dolphins are currently up 14 nothing. That's something that's beautiful. 
You know, we like to see yeah. we like to see that out here. The Yankees I mean, are currently really continuing to suck for nothing against the Buffalo Blue Jays. And I gotta Chad let people Green know if the Yankees the if the Yan- if the if the Blue Jays win out and the Yankees lose out, the Yankees can drop from five to eight and play and play Tampa in the first round. That's that's very very true, and that would not be a good thing. That would not be a good thing. Tonight, the Denver Nuggets try to say, we do not care about anybody's feelings. We want to tie this up right here. Jamal Murray has something to prove. The Joker's about to break hearts. And all of La La Land, the loonies, the losers, the clowns, the the non-smart people in this world, they're about to get in their feels. They're about to get their feelings hurt. And it's Denver Nugget Nation out in the streets. Are you calling Coach? Are you saying that about the Coach who we had on yesterday? I mean, Coach Coach really believes that the Lakers are going to win this series. And I think if Coach says it, I think that's a very um smart thing to say. Again, make. listen, listen. The only people's opinions I value are true Laker fans. If, if you're not a Laker fan, all right? The only reason why you want the Lakers is because of Kobe. It's an emotional attachment. Your opinion means nothing. It means nothing. It's not that you think the Lakers are better. It's not It's not that you think they're good because of Kobe. That's the only now, reason Now, let why. me ask you this question. If Kobe was alive and he was still with us, would I pick the Lakers to win? Of course not. Absolutely not. That, that is, I, I, I still love Kobe. Which just proved Kobe. my point. Yeah, you did. No, 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 I, I've, been, I, I've been saying this. I've been saying, I'm, I just want people to know that I'm not a LeBron James fan. In fact, I don't think LeBron's the greatest player of all time. That's Jordan. I think if anything, um, and no player loses more than they win. Um, at least Brady's won more than he's lost. Jordan never lost. Russell's won more than he's lost. I'm sorry, anyone who's lost more than they won is not great, in my opinion. Facts. That's, Speaking nothing but the facts right there. Yeah, and I know we're gonna have like uh, we're gonna talk all things future. Um but this is a big this is a big win. I know early this is big. I mean the Bills got the Rams and I know you're gonna be Jared Goff to not look like pumpkin. I know you're gonna be rooting hard for the Rams. I know you. Of course. But um this is a big game. This is a big game. You're one and one. I mean, you should be two and zero, but it is what it is. This is a big game for you guys, and I don't. I don't see the Patriots. It's hard for me to see the Patriots losing two games in a row. It is very, very hard. Like, I, I like. When was the last time the Patriots lost two consecutive games in a row at home? Uh, I don't think it's ever been done. I think last Not year. Be- Oh, well, either way, I don't see it now. I uh, Listen, the Raiders are back. The Raiders! Oh they're God. rooting they're, they're, back. they're back. They're back, but they're not back against the beach. But we'll, but we'll table this and other great discussions because I know Nick won against us, get his Patriots um, panties in a bunch because we're going to talk all things Patriots with Mike. So let's just get this over with, I guess. First, first of all, who wouldn't want to talk all things Patriots? It's, I don't it's care. magnificent. I don't it's care. amazing. It's great. 
And quickly before we get the amazing mic on, um, I saw something a little while ago that that was kind of cool. It's something that didn't have to be done. She she could have said y'all are stupid annoying, and she she could have left it at that. But the great, the great Katie Nolan took it upon herself to fulfill a request to help a nice man get through a day. And she wished Mr. Cool Guy 924, a.k.a. Frank Negron, a happy birthday. So, Frank, ha- happy birthday. I I said that earlier. James said it earlier. But that's cool, you know, because I'm sure hundreds and hundreds of people, you know, ask for that from verified accounts. And, and they don't have to do that. And I'm sure some people were really, really incredibly annoying and blowing her up. So, maybe that's also why she did it. But... It just goes to show you that they care, and uh, they I they see it. tweets, and that's that's awesome. That's awesome. She said, "Happy birthday! Leave me alone." When it gets these emoji, that is classic. But um, happy birthday, Frank Negron. Um, my only wish is I hope, and I'm a big fan of her work. I really hope Mina Kimes wishes me a happy birthday. I'm actually a big fan of Mina Kimes' work, but. Maybe we'll try to make that happen. Mina, I I apologize in advance for blowing you up on all social media platforms. I'm a fan of her work. I think she's great. And she, every time I see her, whether it's highly questionable or around the horn, she's great and great. NFL Live, you forgot to mention NFL Live. What's wrong with you? And NFL Live, too, and you're right. But there's another thing I want to get to, but and, and you tweeted this earlier, but... I'll talk about it after. We are here with the wonderful Mike Debate, host of Locked On Patriots. How are you doing this fine Thursday evening? I'm doing well, gentlemen. Thanks so much for the invite. Always a pleasure to talk ball with you. Uh, hey, hey, Mike. Um, it's, uh, I can't believe we're talking Patriots again. And before, it was cool talking about <laughs> no, about Jared Stidham potentially starting it, and it was great. And now we're talking Cam and I don't got that same smirk that I had before, and the Patriots have been playing well, one and one. Um, how do you think? And I gotta ask you, Rap the Gate. How how have you seen um, the Patriot Nation, Patriot Twitter, has reacted so far? What Cam has brought to the Patriots? Well, you know, gentlemen, a lot of what I've been saying all week long, and really for the past two weeks since the uh, the regular season started, is that Cam has really been a fresh air, a breath of fresh air for a lot of Patriots fans, and really the entirety of Patriots Nation. And that's not to say that, oh, well, they're on to Cam Newton and forgetting all about Tom Brady. It's just a different vibe. It's a different energy that Cam brings to the field, that he brings to the team. And for him to pick up on the Patriot way of doing things, and I don't just mean in the locker room, I mean on the field, having the reverence for his teammates, learning the system, but also taking his teammates under his wing and kind of bringing them a little bit into his world has been remarkable. Uh, To do that in only two games is very difficult to do. Cam's made it look easy, and because of that, Patriots Nation is really endeared to him. Uh, his, his energy, his enthusiasm is really, and I apologize for the bad pun here, folks, but it's infectious. It really is something that everyone has really been been drawn to. So he's fit very well here in New England, and uh, right now, uh, you know, everything's off to a good start in New England, despite a one-and-one record, even though it's 500. You get the feeling that Patriots fans are almost feeling undefeated at this point. Uh, they really, really have taken a camp 
I love it. It's it's new, right? It's like with Tom Brady on the center, you knew what was going to happen. he throw the ball. If he didn't like what he saw, he'd throw it away. With Cam, he could run it. He could throw it. You have no idea what he's going to do. And with last week's loss to Seattle, even though I didn't like the last play call, I think if he rolls out, I, I think they would have scored a touchdown. But I'll say the loss is not in Cam Newton. I put the loss on Nick Folk. What what what's your thoughts? Uh, it's kind of easy to say that, and I, I do definitely understand where you're coming from. Uh, you know, Nick Folk's job is to put the ball through the uprights when he's called upon to do it. Uh, but Folk is not a kicker that's going to give you distance. To call upon him to hit a 51-yard field goal on the road, albeit I understand fans in the stands were not there. It's a different type of environment, but it's still pressure, and it's still a distance that Nick is not used to kicking under. He's not. Uh, equipped essentially to handle that type of kick so I think in a lot of ways yes uh, you know obviously you put those points on the board all of a sudden the game is looking different you don't have to go for a touchdown in that situation you can kick the field goal which would probably be a much more reasonable kick for Nick at that point and you're looking at a win you're looking at a 2-0 record so I do understand that but there were some factors in the Patriots not being able to defeat the Seattle Seahawks number one the uh, defensive secondary the defensive backfield um, really, I think, yielded too many of those short yard gains for the Seahawks. Did not clamp down on the edge. Really didn't do a good job of containing the run. That allowed Russell Wilson to dictate exactly what he wanted to do. He hit his targets. He was making you know phenomenal passes. Really beating the team through the air. And then when the team started it ratchet up the uh, pass defense a little bit, he was able to find guys that could run for big yardage, um, whether it be Chris Carson, whether it be Carlos Hyde, or whether it be himself taking runs. Um, they were able to uh, to do what they needed to do. And the other big reason why the Patriots did not come away with a victory is because they just ran into a phenomenal game by Russell Wilson, who beat them through the air on the ground and just was able to pick his spots. And when you run into a quarterback playing that well, it's difficult to come out on top. But, yeah, I think Fulk deserves a slice of the blame pie. I'm not saying he deserves the whole thing. Uh, there were other factors, but the fact of the matter is is you have to make those kicks in that situation. If Fulk's not the guy, they have to find someone that is. Now, another another thing that I've noticed with the Patriots, um, I really like the connection that Cam had developed with Julian Edelman. Um, what are your th- what what has um what are your thoughts on the connection between Julian Edelman and and Cam and P.S. Julian Edelman is not a Hall of Famer. I have to put that out there. But go ahead. <laughs> Well, you know, I, there are a lot of, uh, you know, arguments either way uh, on that. I, I happen to believe at this point that if his career ended today, I would actually side with you on that, and I know that's going to anger a lot of Patriots fans, but if there was a postseason Hall of Fame, if there was a postseason Hall of Fame that just dealt with postseason prowess, I think he'd be a first ballot. I mean, he'd be probably in there before they even got a chance to take the vote, but when you take a look at all of his regular seasons, all-encompassing, I think the argument 
can be made either way, but I think he right now finds himself on the outside looking in. Uh, that's not to say that he can't get there, but at this point, I think you can probably make the argument that he's just a little bit shy. But in terms of the relationship he's developed with Cam Newton, this has been something that has really endeared Patriots Nation uh, to Cam Newton and to a rejuvenated Julian Edelman. Look, the bottom line is these guys spent time together in the offseason. You saw them working out. They developed the synergy. They developed the chemistry. And that continued into training camp. As the games have started, we've seen Cam lean on Julian, very similar to the way Tom used to lean on Julian when he needed a big play. That 49-yard dart from Cam was a phenomenal catch by Julian, one of the better throws I've seen Cam make in quite some time. He's looking very comfortable throwing the football, and Julian Edelman is a big reason why. He knows that is a reliable target, someone he'll be able to lean on down the stretch, go to the outside, go to the slot. Julian's been lined up in just about every position you could possibly imagine throughout his career. So if there's a big play to be made, you know Cam's going to be looking for him. And also, Julian carries a lot of weight and a lot of clout in that locker room. Guys look up to him. They know that he's the elder statesman, quote-unquote, on that uh, wide receiver core. So it's important for those guys to develop the relationship that they have. And there's a good amount of like for one another as well. So it's worked out very well uh, with Cam and Julian. I always laughed at the people that said that Julian had was going to become obsolete all of a sudden when Cam Newton came to town. I really, really cautioned everyone to think the opposite on that because Cam has been able to utilize slot receivers and compact receivers in short yardage games so well throughout his career. I knew he was going to take to Julian Edelman, and it's showing on the field. Absolutely. It's just that, it's just that trust factor when you know that you can throw the ball and he's more likely than not going to catch it. And and you you can also see like Cam wants to force that with Nikhil. Like he wants he wants Nikhil to be that as well. Um an, an, another thing that you really never saw quarterbacks doing, and maybe they'll start doing it, is Russell Wilson basically just attack Stefan Gilmore. You're the best corner, okay, let me just keep coming at you. And he kept coming at him. And the Seahawks had major success. So I bet all week so far, Gilmore has been looking at that tape. How much better do do you think do you think he'll be going forward? I think you're going to see a more physical defined Gilmore this week. I think in terms of coverage, when you go back and you take a look at his coverage against DK Metcalf. That cat never really had more than one or two yards separation on all of those plays. Gilmore was right there with him. Even that uh, the, that touchdown grab, uh, Metcalf was there. Gilmore had his hand right in there. Metcalf out-physicaled him in order for uh, him right. to be able to break for the yardage and get the uh, uh, the touchdown. And I think I just used the word unphysical. I don't think that's really a word, but there would be folks. But in any case, um, it, that's exactly what happened. And I think in a lot of ways, Gilmore looked subpar. Um, and I think it was a little bit deceiving in terms of his coverage. I've heard people talk about, oh, Stephon Gilmore and busted coverage all week. It really wasn't busted coverage. I think DK Metcalf played him more physical and Stefan needed to be more physical in order to make some of those plays. So that what I think is going to, to, to be worked on when it comes to uh, to the Patriots' preparations this week. It'll be interesting to see if Stefan gets matched up with uh, Darren Weller, the prolific tight end from the, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. He's been Derek Carr's most reliable weapon. Bill Belichick will always take away what your team loves to do best, or at least he'll try to do that. And in that regard, who better to put on the most prolific offensive weapon that your opponent has 
than the reigning defensive player of the year. I still think they're better off going with a combination of Joan Williams and Kyle Duggar. I think those guys are more physical. I think they're going to mix it up, and I think they're going to make life a little more difficult for Weller. But the you know the, the flip side to that is putting Gilmore on him, and I don't necessarily think that's a bad move either. So Stefan's going to work on his physicality this week. I expect to see him come out a little bit more physical regardless of who he's uh, covering. Um, one of the things that I've noticed with the um, – with, with the AFC East, uh, I'm going to exclude the Jets because the Jets are exactly who I thought they were, bottom-selling teams. I'm sorry, Jets fans, that's, that's who you are. The Dolphins, eh, I mean, they're okay, but it really comes down to what I said before when you came on between the Bills and the Patriots. And I know Bills fans are like, yeah, you know, it's our division, but I kept saying with camera starting, don't count the Patriots. To two games so far, how close they are, and I know you've seen the Bills play, how close are the Patriots and the Bills? Because I think those are two teams that's going to eventually decide who wins the AFC. Yeah, I think these two teams are a lot closer than their fan bases would like them to be. Uh, I think right now, you look at the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen is playing very well right now. He is playing the type of quarterback that Bills fans want to see him play. He's connecting well with Stephon Diggs. Um, you know, you've got a, a good amount of, uh, you know, the Singletary has really developed into a phenomenal runner for the Buffalo Bills. Their defense has looked pretty good at times. They were without a couple of key linebackers last week. Definitely keep an eye on that because that is the type of um, breakdown that could derail a Buffalo Bills season if they experience any type of injury or lackluster play in that unit. If they're clicking on all cylinders, that's still one of the best defenses in the league. They've got a very good front seven. They play well on the linebackers. Uh, and they have a very good secondary. I think in a lot of ways you can say that their secondary may rival that of the New England Patriots for prowess both at cornerback position and at safety position. But these two teams are very, very evenly matched, and I think you're going to see a very good, very tight race in the AFC East this year. I don't think the Bills are going to run away with it. Uh, I don't think it's the Patriots' division to own anymore. I think these two teams are going to battle it out, and it really may come down to who wins the head-to-head two matchups between these two teams. Those are going to be huge, huge matchups this year. They always are, but this year I think they're going to carry so much more weight because whoever comes out on top is going to be, uh, you know, I think the victor of the division. Also with Nick Folk, you know, maybe 45 and under would be better for him, but do you think that puts a little bit more pressure on the offense and Another thing that I think they were missing, and it's perfectly acceptable, um, James White, I, I think if he played, I think that also is a bigger factor. Is is he expected to be active this week? Uh, well, I definitely agree with you on White. I think James was definitely a big part of what they wanted to do offensively on Sunday. And unfortunately, it's just circumstances beyond anybody's control. And I know every Patriots fan, we all understand that. Um, with regard to James's availability for this week, he has been absent from the practice fields, but uh, it's not necessarily an indication that he won't be able to go on Sunday. I don't have any type of tribute information to that other than to say that my, you know, 
now sources from the team have told me that he's just he hasn't been on the practice field for the last couple of days. So if he's unable to go, that again puts pressure on guys like Sony Michelle, on someone like a Rex Burkhead who really played the James White type role last week. I thought Rex had a pretty decent game, but don't forget he's used to sharing that burden with a James White who takes a lot of pressure off a guy like Rex Burkhead to put all of that on his shoulders is essentially asking him to do the job of two people. And that's not easy. Um, J.J. Taylor, I think, could be someone that could be used out of the backfield a little bit more than we saw him use the last couple of weeks. Even though he's an undrafted rookie, Patriots usually don't like to use um, rookie running backs in that fashion, but they may not have a choice. The guy that I look to is Sony Michelle. He has to step up this week. Um, I didn't see that type of... Um, you know, hitting the holes, being able to find the seams last week. He seems a little hesitant in terms of being able to find those. When he does find a hole and he does find a seam, Sony's hitting them a little bit harder. He's running with a little more strength, a little more spring in his step, but he's still not finding the seams the way I would hope. So he's going to have to shore that up. He's going to have to step up his game big time because don't forget, Damian Harris is still on IR, not eligible to come off until next week at the very earliest. So that running game is going to have to uh, to step up. To answer your other question about Folk, absolutely it puts pressure on the offense. All of a sudden, you may find the offense having to go for fourth down a little bit more than they have in years past, especially knowing that they're not going to be able to uh, to advance the ball if they're in rough position. They may need to do that in order to extend drives. Um, the other alternative is, you know, is there a kicker out there that they would want to trade places with Nick Folk? Obviously, they believe in Nick. They signed him to the 53-man roster. Uh, he got a vote of confidence both from Josh McDaniels and also from uh, Bill Belichick this week when people asked about, you know, what the status of, of the kicking situation was. Right. They both came back and said, Nick is our kicker. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. And uh, I think the Patriots are going to try to stay out of that 51 range <laughs> as much as they can. But sometimes it's it's inevitable and you have to go for it and, you know, <laughs> hold your breath and wait and see, I guess is the best way to put it. And even though, hold on, hold on. Even even though he he did miss a couple of kicks, what what did they not like in Gaskowski anymore? How 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 come they couldn't just resign him? Well, Gostowski, I think, in a lot of ways had reached his, his peak. Don't forget, he's coming back from a pretty debilitating hip injury. I think the Patriots saw that. I think they realized that at this point, it was probably best for them to move on. This draft did have some kickers that a lot of people were talking about possibly being a draft target for the Patriots. Uh, Rodrigo Blankenship, the hot rod, who is now kicking down in Indianapolis, was someone I had heavily scouted from the University of Georgia. I thought he'd be a great fit in New England. There was some question about whether or not he could kick in the elements and in cold weather and in very difficult weather. So maybe that's why the Patriots didn't go ahead and um, and make that move. Tyler Bass from Georgia Southern is a guy that could kick. Uh, a lot of people were high on him. He ended up getting drafted by the Buffalo Bills. Uh, the Patriots ended up going with Justin Rohrwasser, and I know everybody's down on him. They're making it uh, into a terrible pick. Uh, oh, Bill wasted another one. Bill, the GM, didn't know what he was doing there. They saw a lot of promise and a lot of prowess in Rohrwasser, especially his ability to kick in the elements. I still believe they see that in him, but I think he needs a little bit more 
time to kind of come into his own, uh, maybe, you know, heal up a little bit. There's rumors and rumblings uh, that he may not be 100% healthy either. So he is on the practice squad. I think if the Patriots start to see folk falter a little down the stretch, I think you may see Raw Wasser come up. But I think the Patriots thought that there were better options out there than what Steven gave them this time around. I think they felt that that ship had run its course and it was time for them to move on in that situation. But even though he struggled through the first couple of games, I still think Steven Gostowski has a little more left in the tank. I'm rooting for him to do well in Tennessee. First things first, I just want to say rest in um, peace to James Wright's father. Um, what happened, circumstances were awful, and I just want to set my regards again because no one should ever have to go through that. Um, especially losing a father, I, I know all too well what that's like. Um, just my condolences, that's number one. Um, number two, before I, we get our other guy, Bobby, on, um, another thing that I've noticed with the Patriots is the incredible play of Nikhil Harry. Um, Nikhil Harry has looked a lot better now than he has with, when he was with Tom last year, albeit he was a rookie. Is this what the Patriots expected when they drafted Nikhil Harry first round from Arizona State last year? Yeah, I think this is exactly what they were hoping for. A kid that fights for contested catches, not afraid to go over the middle, not afraid to take a shot. I think anybody that questioned whether or not Nikhil Harry was tough should take a look at that hit that he took from Quandre Diggs. Now, obviously, it was a hit that deserved the uh, the ejection. Quandre has since apologized to Nikhil Harry. He's reached out to him. That was not intentional. I think it was just heat of the moment. But he led with his helmet, and that it's just simply not allowed. But the fact that Nikhil Harry was able to take that hit, hold on to the ball, and then pop back up and remain in the game to me was amazing. <laughs> really, I was very, very surprised to see that. But it's a testament to his toughness. Last year, I think there were a couple of factors rooting against Nikhil Harry. I know the narrative this week is that, oh, Tom didn't trust him. Tom didn't want to throw to a young receiver. Tom was pouting because he couldn't have his shiny veteran receiver, and he didn't want to give the rookie a chance. None of that holds any water to me. Tom Brady would have definitely gone to Nikhil Harry, and I think he definitely would have had a great relationship with Nikhil. He wasn't afraid to go to the rookie receiver. The reason why Nikhil was not a favorite target of Tom last year was because he missed half the, 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 uh, the season. He missed the better part of the preseason. Those two guys did not have an opportunity to develop a relationship. Tom really didn't know what Nikhil could do. Nikhil really wasn't sure what Tom was going to do. And at the end of the day, you can't develop a relationship like that. The other factor is I do believe that the injury continued to bother Nikhil throughout the season. Even though it was manageable, he was able to play on it, I still don't think he was ever 100% healthy and 100% right. And because of that, even if you have a little bit of a step slow out there, it's going to affect your timing. And in a Tom Brady-led offense, timing is everything. That is so important. And if you're in any way impaired, it's going to affect your relationship. So that's what – I think those were the problems that Nikhil Harry ran into last year. I think he's healthy. I think he's getting the, uh, the confidence from Cam Newton that he needs. Cam keeps going to him, even with the fumble out of the end zone. Cam continued to make him an integral part of this offense. And that's only going to give the kid uh, you know, confidence down the line. So each and every week, look for his targets to increase. Look for his yardage to increase. By the end of the season, I think you're going to take a look at this kid and say, wow, you know what? He put up a pretty good sophomore season. All right. Um, now, I'm going to, now we're going to get our boy, 
Gronkowski. So him coming back may help to put a little more spice into this wide receiver core, but it wouldn't shock me to see them go out and get another veteran. Now, leading back to this, do you think that they would be in the market for defensive help like at linebacker? Because I know we're extremely thin at that position. Yeah, linebacker to me is actually my biggest concern, and it's actually my biggest area of need for this team. They may look at the trade market for that. The trade market is a little thin right now. A lot of teams are stockpiling, especially veteran linebackers and veteran defenders that know systems very well, especially with the the rash of injuries you see throughout the NFL, and not only that, but also uh, you know the lack of rookie development time that we usually would have during off seasons. They simply didn't have that. They want veterans that can come in, plug and play in the system right away. So, in terms of who might be out there, it really is kind of anybody's guess. There's also not a whole lot available on the waiver wire or the free agent market right now either. A lot of the names that are out there have been sitting out there for a while. There's a reason for that. Um, and uh, it's unlikely the Patriots would kick the tires on that. So I think a linebacker is a need for this team, but I think they may look to the practice squad and guys they already have on the roster to step up and be able to you know, mold into players that they hoped. Uh, one guy I would definitely keep my eye on is Cash Malawaya, the, the sixth-round pick out of Wyoming. Uh, he really turned some heads during training camp. Uh, he was effective as a pass rusher, but really developed the uh, the, uh, the, the run uh, you know blocking in his game to be able to step up and show some speed in that middle part of the linebacking core. Look for him to play a bigger role. Uh, I don't think he's really reached his peak yet. He may be a nice compliment to Juwan Bentley in the middle part of that linebacking core. Uh, now, my other question to you is, is Josh Uche, he's been out the past two weeks. Is, the, is his injury significant? Because I know we could definitely use him on the field. Well, Uche was removed from the uh, uh, the injury report yesterday. Uh, was listed as a full participant, and by all indications, looked like the ankle problems were behind him, and that he was ready to go. He popped up on the injury report again this evening with a foot injury. Now it's interesting that last week the injury that kept him out was listed as an ankle injury. Now this week it's listed as a foot. Uh, not a lot of information as to exactly whether or not these two issues are related, uh, whether or not it's a completely different injury, but I know Uche is a guy they have high hopes for. He is that type of linebacker, that versatile linebacker that they brought in who's a little bit undersized but has such a high motor to be able to help out in the pass rush. Um, I think he's going to be someone that they're going to rely on very heavily down the stretch. He was not in the game on uh, on. Uh, Sunday night, and I think the Patriots could have definitely used him when you saw the difficulties they had setting the edge. It allowed Seattle to basically run at will, and when you can't set the edge, it's very difficult to stop the run, especially up the middle. It leaves that middle so vulnerable, so at this point, uh, I would look for Uche to come in and try to bring some stability to that, but it's all going to depend on whether or not he's healthy. I was very optimistic that we'd see a lot of Josh Uche yesterday. I saw him pop up again on the injury report today. It's iffy. It's day to day right now, but uh, hopefully we'll see him out there. If we do, though, I think he'll be used in a pretty good clip. Um. Now, the one other question I do have is: last week we did struggle in pass coverage, and I know the pass rush was not there, but there's no concern about the secondary, right? There's no panic. I know it was Russell Wilson. He put the ball. Right, he put the ball in places that I don't even know how he did it. To be quite honest with you, um, 
but there's no panic in the secondary in my right. And also, another thing I noticed is J.C. Jackson didn't start the game. It was Jason McCourty. I, I found that very interesting. Yeah, it was really more, I think, of a matchup issue. I think in a lot of ways, the versatile wide receiver core that Seattle brings to the table, whether it be D.K. Metcalf or a guy like Tyler Lockett, um, you know, these guys are veteran wide receivers with a tremendous amount of skill set. J.C. Jackson is a speed type of guy that hangs with you and is in your hip pocket. Um, the, uh, the, the Patriots wanted to go more coverage, and I think because of that, Jason McCourty is a very good coverage cornerback, and of course, Stephon Gilmore is one of the best in the league at doing what he does. He can pretty much do it all. To answer your question on the secondary, no, nah, there's no panic in the secondary. Uh, Stephon Gilmore is still going to be solid. Again, I thought he was solid in college. I didn't in college. I thought he was solid in coverage all night long against DK Metcalf. The problem was his Metcalf was just more physical. I think, again, Stephon Gilmore is going to work on that physicality. He's going to try to build on that. But Jackson is going to be utilized a lot, especially with speedy receivers like Henry Ruggs that they're going to be facing this week against the Raiders. He's going to be needed. His speed, his, uh, um, his coverage ability is going to be called upon pretty heavily. So he'll be utilized. McCordy will be in the mix. Uh, Jonathan Jones will definitely be right there in the slot without any question. You might even see Juwan Williams play a little bit of corner this week. I know we've been talking about him to, uh, taking on that hybrid safety role, maybe uh, you know, uh, having some coverage on Darren Weller. I think you may see him line up in corner a little bit this week as well. Patriots are going to go heavy defensive back, trying to shut off that aerial attack of David Carr. Excuse me, Derek Carr and the uh, and the, the Oakland Raiders. And I, the one problem I think that we did we couldn't set the edge. I think this week. Uh, do you think the game plan is definitely number one is going to be stop Josh Jacobs because if he gets going, it's going to be impossible to to stop. Yeah, it's going to be a difficult task, but that's exactly what they're going to have to do. They're going to need their linebacking core. They're going to need their edge rushers to set the edge. They're going to need a big game out of the interior of their defensive line, which means Byron Coward, Lawrence Guy, Adam Butler are going to have to be stout against defending the run. And what they're going to have to do is bring that middle part of the linebacking core, like Juwan Bentley, and they're going to need them to be able to stop the run plug the middle and prevent those runs up the gut. That's something they couldn't do against Seattle because Seattle had so many weapons. It was almost like a pick your poison. And the Patriots basically went all in on preventing Russell Wilson from beating them through the air, from picking them apart with all of the the receivers that they had. Because of that, Juwan Bentley at times was trying to cover wide receivers uh, down in the low area. That's not his job. That's not what a middle linebacker should be doing. A lot of people are criticizing Juwan Bentley for his play on Sunday, and they're you know getting on him for being slow, for being you know, out of position, for not having a good game. The problem is that he was asked to do a job he never should have been asked to do. And because of that, it allowed Seattle to run freely. What they're going to have to do this week is commit to stopping the run. That's why I think you're going to see Juwan Bentley in the middle part of that linebacking core, probably alongside of a guy like Brandon Copeland, to try to prevent those runs up the gut. It worked very effectively against Miami about two weeks ago. That's what they're going to have to do against Las Vegas this week. Here's a question I have. Um, I would almost say... This Sunday is a must-win because of who they play next week. But what would it say about the Patriots if they lose against the Raiders, but they beat the Chiefs? Uh, Well, 
you know, Bill Parcells used to say you are what your record is. At that point, that would make them a 500 team. <laughs> it would bring them to 2-2. Two and two. Um, And, yeah, I mean, you look at uh, an impressive win over the defending champions if that does happen, and you would have to say that the Patriots can hang with anybody if they can beat the defending champions. Um, this Raiders game is going to be a difficult one. So if the Patriots were to lose this game, it doesn't mean that the season is over. I know the fans will probably go into hysterics thinking, oh, well, the Patriots are one and two. Uh, the first week we're going to riot on Twitter. If they we're seeing, yeah, we're, we're going to see this team unravel. This is what they really are. That's not going to be the case. Uh, you know, Las Vegas is a team that is capable of being anyone. We saw them beat the New Orleans Saints the other night, and not a lot of people believe they would do that. Um, what it says to me about the Patriots is they're going to be in every game that they play. Um, and I think we've, we've seen that. Cam Newton is not going to allow this team to not be competitive. So as long as they're competitive within these games, they'll be right in the thick of things for a divisional race or maybe even a conference challenge uh, to get deep into the playoffs. I still think they're a cut below where a team like Baltimore or a team like Kansas City is right now. I think those two teams are still the class in the AFC, but the Patriots are right in the mix. So I think right now uh, they're just going to try to take one game at a time, see what they have against Las Vegas. I like their chances in this game because I think they match up well against uh, um, the Raiders offensively and defensively. Uh, but next week is going to be a big-time challenge against a very potent offense. And, and defense that I don't think gets enough credit for being as good as they are, that's going to be a pretty big test for the Patriots. But again, I like their chances of being competitive because I like the way they're playing right now on both sides of the ball. Right. I uh, I will tell you this. The one thing that impressed me is Julian Edelman. He's, it's just a level of consistency. Now, I'm, I've been hearing that he's been battling some injuries. Now, do you think these injuries obviously weren't significant, but do you think it's something to monitor going forward? Yeah, I definitely think it's something to monitor going forward, guys. Um, you know, Julian's 34 years old. He's been listed on the injury report consistently for the last two weeks with a knee injury. Uh, he looked at times last week like he was favoring the neck. Now, a lot of that is not because of an injury. I think a lot of that is because of the hits that he was taking and the beating that he takes on a daily basis whenever he takes the field. Uh, but this guy is a warrior. I called him a gladiator earlier this week on Locked On Patriots. 179 yards receiving. That sets a career regular season high. I mean, anything you ask Julian Edelman to do, he does, and he does it well. Um, but you have to think at some point in time, those types of hits are going to catch up with you. And because they're catching up with you, um, you have to be able to you have to be able to give him his proper rest. You have to be able to manage his workload a little bit. That's why I think some of these other guys on the roster need to step up a little. But, you know, Julian's going to go out there and he's going to play. He's going to give you everything he has, 110% every single time out. It's just a matter of how much his body can take. Right now, he's still getting up after every hit. So hopefully he'll continue to do that and he'll continue to go on. But uh, I worry about him long term if, if his body keeps taking the beating it's been taking week after week. Do you think at any point for maybe, I don't know, two or three games or maybe use the game right before the bye to give that kind of a special two-week off where they're, where they're, where Bill will just say, Julian, we're going to make you a scratch. You, you know, we're playing the Jets this week and, you know, maybe we won't need you. Do you think Bill would do something like that? 
Uh, it's tough to say. Uh, traditionally, I would say probably not. That's usually not the way the Patriots operate. If you're capable of going out there to play, you're going to be active, and especially a guy that's important to the offense like Julian Edelman. However, there is something to be said about injuries and about how your body is hurting and about what your condition is going to be, uh, depending on the competition you're playing as well. I think you made a good point about a, you know maybe the Jets game or things of that nature. Um, I think they'll take it on a game-by-game basis. Julian feels that he's not going to be able to go out there and give it that, that effort that he's capable of giving then he'll bow out of the game, but that's going to be something that's going to have to be really, really debilitating uh, to keep Julian Edelman off the field. This is not a guy that likes to sit. Um, I've watched him battle through a rib injury, a shoulder injury, and a knee injury last year. Any one of those three would have put another wide receiver on the shelf. Julian was battling all three at one point. He was still going out there every single game. So this is not a guy that likes to sit down. I think it's going to be tough to keep him on the shelf. That's a very, very good, uh, good point. I now, you know what? My next question has to go with um, a certain player who I think we've all had a lot of patience with. It's Sony Michelle. It seems still to me that uh, I know they haven't ran him that much because we're using Rex Burkhead a lot. When James White was active the first week, we used him. Unfortunately, due to what happened with James White's family, unfortunately, he wasn't active. And it looks to me he might not play this week because he's not practicing. But do you think there's a level of concern with the Patriots and their uh, patience is being tested with Sony Michelle? I don't necessarily think their patience is being tested, but I think Sony just has to step up and prove that he's worthy of the first-round draft tender that they used on him a couple of years ago. I've always been a big proponent of Sony Michelle. I've always kind of rooted for him and cheer him on with the Patriots because I still think he brings a dual-threat running style uh, that really should endear him to Patriots fans and the Patriots coaching staff. I think that's why they chose to draft him. Uh, he is better at catching the ball out of the backfield than he has indicated, that he's shown on the field, and he is a pretty strong and pretty good runner when he's able to find the holes and break for big yardage. The problem is, is I don't know if he's not seeing the seams or he's just not feeling the type of flow that he needs to be able to extend plays and get into the open field. You're seeing Sony run a lot more vertic- a lot more horizontally than vertically, and that's a problem when you're a featured back. You have to run in a vertical uh, you know, notion. You can't get cute and try to run horizontally and then cut back vertically. He's not cutting for big yards. People are picking up, especially defensive linemen are picking up on his, his patterns and they're stuffing him at the run uh, almost at the line of scrimmage. He's not breaking for those type of yards that they need. So in a lot of ways, I think he's running a little bit stronger. I think he's showing a little bit more strength and maybe a little bit more anger in the way he's running this year. That's a good sign. That leads me to believe that he can do it. It's just a matter of putting it all together. Maybe he's still a little bit squeamish about the offensive line he's running behind. I think the O-line has played very well this year. I think they're playing at a much better level, much higher level than they did a year ago. And I think that should give him more confidence. But the Patriots really need him to step up right now, especially with Damian Harris out. We don't know if James White's going to go this week. He may, once again, uh, be a healthy scratch. And if that's the case, they're going to need Sony Michelle to step up, uh, especially against the run defense for the Raiders that isn't so prolific. This is an opportunity for the Patriots to run the ball pretty effectively. They need Sony to step up. Um, you know what? 
that's my next question, actually, with Damian Harris. He's out. He's eligible to come back against the Chiefs. Am I right? He should be eligible at that point to come off of the IR. The Patriots can bring him off and then could uh, theoretically uh, activate him. I believe he would have to be activated for their following week's game against the Denver Broncos if they bring him off. I think he'll be able to practice. I don't know if he'd be ready uh, to go for the Chiefs game, um, but he'd be eligible to be brought off of IR after three weeks. So at that point, I would say if they do bring him off right away, the first time you'll probably see him in action is uh, the following week against the Broncos, but there's always a possibility that they may be able to bring him off. I think technically he's eligible, but he probably won't be able to go until the Broncos game. Okay. Oh, so, um, you know, looking at our schedule, it's very tough, but I do think we match up well with everybody this year. I, I a lot of people are sleeping on the Patriots because, of course, Brady's gone, but Cam brings that different dynamic. I think that Cam, the one thing I've noticed with Cam, and this goes back to him, and he was asked this week about his contract, and I loved his answer, and it's really not phasing him. And to me, it kind of looks like Brady asking away. He's, I feel like he's kind. Of, that's the way I'm getting that vibe from him, and I love that. Now, in your opinion, if he keeps playing like that, do you think Bill, in a way, waits till the offseason to sign it to an extension or he'll give it to him during the year? If he's playing at this level and we're winning games with him and he's playing like he did in 2015, do you think Bill's gonna, Bill will not let him leave? Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, if there's one thing that I've learned about the Patriots organization, it's you can never be able to gauge which way they're going to go. Uh, traditionally, they haven't negotiated contract extensions during the season. They usually wait until the season's over to do that. But if Cam is playing at the level he's playing at, and they know that there's a danger of him walking out the door, and there's a chance that he may able to t be able to take a, and I say quote-unquote, little bit of a hometown discount to stay during the season, I think the Patriots would like to work something out with him earlier than later. The question is, is whether Cam wants to be able to test the free agent waters and see what's out there. If he does that, the Patriots could always say, okay, we'll go out there, see what's out there on the open market, and then come back for a second round of negotiations. We've seen them do that with tons of free agents, whether it be their own or whether it be guys that they're hoping to sign. That's a risk with a guy like Cam Newton, who I think is going to have a lot of suitors based on the way he's played. My gut reaction tells me they're going to try to work something out mid-season, try to give him a little bit of a bump in pay and a, um, and a, uh, a, a raise as well. Don't forget, Cam signed a deal that does not prevent the Patriots from using the franchise tag on him. That could get interesting as well. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but keep that in the back of your mind because that's not something that's completely out of the question. It surprised me when I heard about Cam's deal that he signed with the Patriots in the offseason that it did not include a clause that they could not franchise him the following year. Patriots still have that right. It'd be a huge, huge number, but you have to wonder if whether or not it might be worth it if they want to try to work out a long-term deal, and they can't do so by the start of free agency. Isaiah Wynn is really looking good. He had seven out of 72 pass protection snaps, I believe. They said he had zero pressures, which is tremendous. 
Yeah, Wynn has really emerged as that left tackle that everybody in the Patriots organization hoped he would be. A lot of people were worried whether or not he was going to be able to carry that role, uh, but he's healthy and he's really showing that he's, he's capable of, of being that guy. And the Patriots have always placed a huge premium on that role, whether it be protecting Tom Brady. I mean, you'll go all the way back to guys like Matt White, uh, Nate Solder, uh, Trent Brown, who they're maybe going to face this week. We don't know. Trent's still on the injury report for uh, for the Raiders. Uh, but Isaiah coming in and being able to take that role on, um, he's definitely protecting Cam's blind side, and I think he's doing a great job. Talking about the potential of Cam Newton being a free agent got me curious of who their list of free agency is and a couple of names that just jumped out to you, Jason McCourty, Joe Tooney, James White, Lawrence Guy, J.C. Jackson, Brandon Copeland, and longtime traveling quarterback Brian Hoyer. But that does make Cam pretty, pretty important. You know, you don't want to lose a guy like that. And I think if you franchise him, which they have every right to do, that also might make him unpleasant, and maybe he wouldn't think about coming back for the 2022 season. So I hope they can re-sign him, you know, maybe 20 year, four years, and backload it, and maybe that will keep him happy enough to where he'd want to stay. Yeah, I mean, I think they can work out a different, uh, you know, deal some way, whether it be backloading some of the, uh, the the contracts, whether it be deferring money uh, to, you know, to, to subsequent years. There's a lot of different ways they might be able to work this out. And you mentioned the number of free agents that the Patriots have in the offseason. Guys like J.C. Jackson, Joe Tooney, um, you know, guys I know they would love to have back, but you look at the logistics of it and, and those it's just impossible to bring all of those guys back. Tooney, I think right now is probably on a one year. I think it's going to be elsewhere for him next year. Oh. I just see a, a lot of uh, you know teams just clamoring to, uh, to sign a guy with, with his pedigree and his ability to change the complexity of an offensive line. Jackson, I think, is a guy they'd love to lock up, and I think they get that one done. Uh, but there are a lot of different uh, you know, uh, uh, thoughts about who may return, who may not return next year. But I think Cam's at the top of that list. And the more you see how he has been able to endear himself into this locker room and on the field with this team, uh, it just it's, it, it would be very surprising to me if the Patriots said to themselves, well, no, we believe that we've got another option or we believe that we can do better elsewhere. Um, even with a guy like Jared Stenham waiting in the wings, uh, I, I still think Cam gives them the best shot. I think he would want to stay with his brother. Do you think the Patriots would will like to keep Jason around for another season? I think they would. I think they love what Jason brings to the field. He brings a tremendous amount of intelligence, tremendous amount of experience, uh, and really provides that base to the uh, the cornerback uh, um, you know roster that allows guys like J.C. Jackson and Stephon Gilmore to play at the level that they play at, knowing they have a guy like Jason McCourty to come in, play meaningful minutes, not necessarily be the starter each and every week, but a guy that can give experience and play alongside some of the safeties and be a director in that backfield uh, is an invaluable part. He also plays a very good coverage corner. I think a lot of people get that, you know, missed a lot of times with McCourty looking at him as the older, um, you know, fill-in type option. 
but he's a lot more than that. He can definitely go in there and play coverage corner with some of the best in the NFL. So I think they'd love to have him back. It's just a matter of price and a matter of Jason, uh, really a matter of what Jason wants to do. Um, you know, you've heard rumblings about the McCourty twins possibly looking at retirement for a number of years now. Uh, do they finally say at the end of 2020 that this is it, they want to move on? Uh, that could happen. But uh, all in all, I think they would like to bring him back. And I think they can work something out to do so. Now, if Jason and Devin McCourty were to retire, who do you think would be our replacement for um, Devin? It wouldn't be Kyle. I know Kyle Duggar, who, by the way, I think has been tremendous. I think he's going to probably take Chung's role. But who do you think would be a great replacement for Devin if he were to retire? Uh, I don't necessarily know if that guy is on the roster right now, to be honest with you. Uh, it would be very difficult for to replace someone with the leadership uh, and the uh, directorial ability of Devin McCourty on the field. It's just not something that's easily replaceable. Uh, I guess in a lot of ways what you may see is you may see Kyle Duggar come up and take that Patrick Chung role. Uh, we don't know if that's going to return next year. That's a big question mark as well. Uh, he admitted at retirement in the last year. Opted out for this season, you look at the contract, you look at the way that, uh, that it's structured, teams can move on from player contracts that opted out from COVID without much to any uh, salary cap implications. So all of a sudden, it makes it a lot easier for teams to move on from these players. Uh, the Patriots' safety for next year may look drastically different than it looks right now. I know Adrian Phillips is moving himself into that safety floor. He's looked pretty good, uh, but he's not the type of player that he would take the take place of a Devin McCourty. Um, I, I don't know if that guy's on the roster right now. That's an excellent question. And I think a lot of it is going to be determined by the direction they're going to go in in the offseason. Well, Bobby, thank you so much for coming on. As always, uh, you're you're fantastic, and those are excellent questions for Mike. Thank you so much for having me. Love you guys, Mike. Thank, always a pleasure to talk to you. Hope to talk to you soon. Anytime, Bobby. Thank you. Yep. Thank you so much. Take care, guys. Go Patriots. Yes, sir. Go Patriots. <laughs> All right, Mike. Um, this, this Patriot love affair has been a little bit nauseating, but I do gotta ask you a I do gotta ask you this question, and this does involve a former Patriot assistant that's a head coach. And no, I don't mean Matt Patricia. Um, I know that um, Bill Belichick loved Joe Judge, and I know the Giants are in too. But from what you've seen. Is, have, do you think the Giants made the right hire in going with Joe Judge? I know Bill has talked glowing about him. He seems like he's his own guy. He doesn't come off as a Bill Belichick um, clone. Uh, what do you What do you make of Joe Judge? I still think he's the right hire for the Giants. I think he's the right guy to right that ship, to provide the type of stability that they need on both sides of the ball. Joe is someone that coached special teams so well here for a number of years. And don't forget, when you're a special teams coach, you have insight into the offense, you have insight into the defense, even more so than a former defensive coordinator or a former offensive coordinator. You hit all the aspects. And the special teamers a lot of times take the appreciation of maybe some of the unsung heroes on that roster. I think Joe is going to be able to maximize the talent, maximize the ability for those guys to play into their roles. And he hit a tough break this year without any question with Saquon Barkley going on season-ending injured reserve. That is a tough break for any head coach. 
it's going to give some of these guys an opportunity to step up, to be able to carry the load. Uh, all of a sudden, Deion Lewis, the guy that he played with here, in the guy that played for him here in New England, uh, is going to have an opportunity to be a big part of this Giants offense. Uh, obviously, Sterling Shepard right now with uh, you know the injury problems that he's dealing with, that could become a uh, an issue down the line. But Daniel Jones is going to have to step up, have to find weapons on this team that's going to allow him to add points to the, uh, uh, to you know, to get them into the end zone. But ultimately, I do like what Joe Judge can do. Um, even if the Giants struggle this year, I think it's going to be unfair to put that mantra directly on his back, considering everything that he's had to go through. Give the guy a couple of years, and I think you'll see good results in New York. I agree. Before I make a quick, before I do quick rapid fire, um, I do gotta ask just one quick question, and then I'll get to my rapid fire. Um, obviously, Dave Gettleman with the Giants, and for those who don't know, is the general manager New York Giants. And from all indications, it looks like no matter win, lose, or draw, he's gonna be gone after this year. Um, is there a guy that you think that Joe Judge would like to bring in? Because ultimately, how the Giants organization works. The GM and the head coach are in sync, and the head coach reports to the GM, the GM reports to the owner. Um, is, there, is there a personnel guy that could work with Joe Judge that could maybe fast-track this rebuild? Uh, I think ideally, I think he'd love to bring in a guy like Nick Casario. I just don't know if that's necessarily going to work or going to be uh, uh, you know, able to happen. I don't think the Patriots would be so uh, willing to let him go. But if the title is there and all of a sudden it becomes a job that he can ascend to a higher level, then yeah, I think Joe would absolutely salivate at the opportunity to bring in a guy like Nick. He has the savvy of being able to build a roster. Again, Nick is a guy that spent time in special teams. He spent time as a quarterback, so he could be a great mentor to a lot of guys there. Um, I mean, that, I think, would be his pie-in-the-sky option, but I have no indication and no uh, expectation that the Patriots would even entertain being willing to let him go. But ultimately, I think that's who Joe Judge would like to have, considering the, uh, the familiarity he's had here in New England. Absolutely. Now I'm going to ask you some rapid-fire Patriot questions. One minute on the clock. You're going to give me some quick hitters. You ready? I am ready. Okay, so this season so far, do you think Cam Newton is the clear-cut favorite to win Comeback Player of the Year? At this stage, yes, I do. Um, has Brady looked worse? Mediocre? How, uh, it's one word to describe Brady's, Brady's performance so far. Um, still building, I guess is the best way to put it. <laughs> okay, do the Patriots add a weapon for Cam Newton by the trade deadline? Yeah, I think they do. I, I think that I don't think it's going to be a big time prolific weapon, but at least someone to help take the pressure off in the in the, uh, the wide receiving court. Now, earlier you told when you came on, you still you had you had um you still have the Patriots as well as those teams not right off through two games. Are you more? Do you still think the Patriots are that team that can still run the AFC even after two games? I think they definitely can. Will they? I think there are a lot of teams right now in their way, but I think they absolutely can do it. Are, are, could the Patriots upset, and um, two more, do the Patriots upset the apple cart of Fish Ravens AFC Championship matchup? 
Right now, I don't think so. I still think the Chiefs and Ravens are better on both sides of the ball slightly, uh, but uh, I still think those two are the class of those uh, of, of the conference. But I think the Patriots are right there knocking on the door. They're going to be right there contending for that title. If Cam, and big question to ask, if Cam wins a Super Bowl with the New England Patriots, whose legacy does it build more for it? Bill Belichick to add to the mantle or Cam's? Oh, <laughs> um, I would have to say Cam. I would have to say Cam Newton. No. I think it. Uh, yeah, I think it would. It would elevate his because there's so much pedigree right now that's put on Bill Belichick. You know, Bill Belichick can win. He's won six Super Bowl titles as a head coach, two as a defensive coordinator. The guy has a tremendous resume. The knock on Cam before coming to New England is he can't win the big one. He can't bring his team to a Super Bowl. Uh, he didn't fall on the fumble. We've heard those all before. If Cam is able to come in and lead his team to a Super Bowl, I think it does more for his legacy than it does for Bill's. Uh, don't get me wrong. It's going to enhance Bill's legacy without a question, but I think it does more for Cam in the long run. Absolutely. And I just want to, um, before we get you out of here, and I know that we talked all things Patriots, one last Giants question. Um, your thoughts on Daniel Jones through the first two um, weeks of the season? I think he's looked better. I think he's looked more comfortable. Uh, I think he's sort of coming into his own. He knows this is his team uh, without any question. And I think in a lot of ways, um, I think he'll end up being a solid quarterback in New York. Again, he's had some tough luck. Uh, you know, Sterling Shepard has not been healthy. He's missing his top running back uh, without any question. And that does have a big effect on a quarterback. I'm sorry. It's just, it really does. So I feel for him in a lot of those respects. But I do see him as the right fit in New York, and I think he'll be the guy. Uh, it might be a tier for him uh, in terms of being uh, you know, productive, but in terms of the growth I'm seeing from one year to the next, uh, I think Giants fans should be excited about this kid. He's a lot better than most people gave him credit for, and I think he's going to continue to prove that. Absolutely. Well, Mike, as always, man, Thank you for coming on. We talked all things Patriots. We got some little giants in there because we got to we got to have that. And I do look forward to the Patriots matchup versus the Raiders because I do think that the Raiders are back, baby. The Gruden Grinders are back, and it and it makes and the NFL is so much better when the Raiders are back. They, I, it, it, it's just so much better. I mean, it'd be great if the Giants become great too. But just seeing the Raiders back, the team that everyone despises. And that match is going to be so great. I can't wait to see it. And we can't wait to have you back on again real soon to talk all things Patriots and more. Absolutely. Always a pleasure to join you guys. Thank you so much for the hospitality. Had a blast talking ball. Looking forward to the next time already. Yes, sir, Mike. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Have Take a great care, man. Time. You too. You too, man. Guys, that was a wonderful Mike debate. Stay locked. Get, get locked in with Locked On Patriots. He usually drops in an episode every day, and and look and looks like for the rest of the year, he's gonna have a crossover episode with whoever we play this next week. Um, and it's it's an awesome pod, you know. Obviously, if you're not a Patriot fan, maybe you might not look forward to that podcast. But he's smart, he's knowledgeable, he knows his football, and it's a great time. Absolutely. Um, hell, um, we talked all things big. Um, we 
talked all things Patriots. Uh, we, we slept in a little bit of jive, man, but this guy is well-versed. And I want to get a truck. I want to say something quickly before we get out of here. I know it's been a long show. Um, I love what you retweeted um, from the great Lacia um, Calder, um, Calder, I know I butchered that name so bad. Please forgive me. She tweeted, we need WNBA better, represent on sports talk shows. Analysts should be breaking down the awards and arguing about why deserves why. And we, and it goes into our women's initiative, man. You made that tweet. What are your thoughts about that? I think it's very, very true. Um, other than that day of all of them wearing the orange hoodies and taking pictures, there's really not much else they do. And, you know, the, w- the WNBA is the little sister school. Just like in Boston, Harvard is the big school. There, there's another one next to it, and Harvard looks out for them. So that's what the NBA has to do. They have to look out for the WNBA because that's what Kobe would do. So LeBron has to take on some of that too. You know, it's it's so easy to say let's do it for Kobe, blah blah blah. But you gotta do his teachings. You gotta do what he would have wanted. And you know damn well Kobe would have spent so much money taking care of the the WNBA. So you know LeBron LeBron has to do that. If Kobe was alive, the women would probably have better, better stay than the than the guys. I promise you that. Like Kobe would have would have would have would have thought, fought tooth and nail for those ladies not to get treated as such. Man, I'm telling you. Um, I do think I do think the Patriots will beat the Raiders, Nick. I'm, I'm telling you, I, I just the Raiders haven't faced a team like the Patriots, especially with that secondary. I do think it's gonna be a great game. I know you're gonna be watching that game on Sunday. Um, I will probably be back and forth between that game and the Giant game. And I have no business watching the Jet game at four because, let's be honest, no one gives a damn about the Jets. I'm sorry, Julian, but the facts are the facts. Um, you also got the Laker gang, a don't bang. They're up right now, 60-55 to 55 at okay. halftime. But Murray is, Murray is starting to cook. So that second half is going to be real interesting. Uh, tomorrow you got you got game four between the Lightning and the Stars. And honestly, the Stars are win the Stars are not winning the Stanley Cup. I'm sorry, the Lightning are going to win it. They're just they're just that team. And I keep telling Islanders fans there is no shame losing to a better team. There, there is no shame losing to a good team. It's like in football. If the Patriots lost to the Chiefs, there is no shame losing to the Chiefs. You lost to the best quarterback in the league. No shame in that whatsoever. No. See, there's no shame in losing in the championship. But there is a shame losing before the championship. I'm sorry. Nah, nah, there's no shame in that. It's okay. All, all, all Islander fans, and we go another day without getting a gym, so they're obviously super soft. They're little girls. They're cats. They're... And, and, and you can think of whatever cat means. Whatever you think cat means, that, that's what you can imagine it means. And they're just scared. They're soft. They're trash cans. They're garbage. They're low-level human beings. And that's that's just that. So they they can't handle the heat. Get the hell out of the kitchen. 
Because that's the best way to leave it, roll tide. And uh Lakers, you're trash, sorry. <laughs>